Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Dick Sander from the locker room with former Atlanta Falcons head coach and three-time NFL coach of the year, Mike Smith. Mike, good seeing you today. Hey, Doc. How you doing? I'm great. It couldn't be better. I'll tell you, it's been raining a lot, though. We've been fortunate to get those golf games in. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. Uh, not as fortunate as you, though, Doc, the way that you've been hitting the ball. Yeah, I hear you. You yeah. set me up. You just went in strokes. Well, let's let's get on with, you know, kind of leadership. Last time we talked, uh, you know, a lot about communication, and I think one of the things that kind of came up was consistency and consistency of the message. Can you talk a little bit about that? When you had those guys, and, you know, when you're an NFL coach, you clearly have, you know, a lot of guys who come from a lot of different backgrounds, who have played on different teams, who have been coached differently. And I guess, you know, one of the really important pieces when you're dealing with that many people as, you know, the coach of your team, you know, I guess the message really needs to be very consistent. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Doc, and I think the, that you have to think of it in the most simplistic terms. And I think the first thing that uh, you have to do, and when I went to Atlanta, that I want to make sure is that you're going to be the same person every day. Uh, I think everybody's looking to you as a leader. And if you're not consistent, you're going to lose the trust of your team. And when you lose your trust, you lose the locker room. And I mean, that's really the, it, the simplest way to say it is, is, you know, be the same every day and make sure that you understand how important it is for the, your consistency in your messaging, in your demeanor, You've got to be the same every single day. And so many times coaches uh, don't understand that. Your win-loss record should have nothing to do with how you approach, approach your team. You're going to have to make some subtle changes. But if you're a nice guy laughing it up and having a great time when things are going well and the first time things don't go your way, you turn and are a different person then you're losing that team and losing that group because they're looking for you for consistency. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, I think every leader probably needs to understand is that the followers, and if you're a coach or if you're a business executive, whatever it is, the people that, you know, work within the organization, they really get a lot of cues from the leader and they watch very carefully of how they deal with things and then they react accordingly. So if, if the leader is very inconsistent in, in their reaction to different things that happen, what you're doing is you're really modeling that for the players and or, you know, your, you know, the folks in your organization and they're going to be very inconsistent in everything that they do. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking, like you said, for, the, for their cues from you and it's so important that you be the same every day. And when, you, when you're not, you can't, you can't get them back because once you lose that trust uh, as, a, you know, as a leader, it's really hard to get it back. And people don't uh, understand as, as a leader how important it is to come in every day and look, it's hard because there's a lot of things going on when you're a head coach or you're the athletic director or you're the uh, CEO of a big company, there's lots of activity and lots of things happening. And 
everybody's going to look for you. As soon as something goes wrong, the first person they're going to look to is the leader. And if you're up and down and you're emotional and you're going all over the place, you, that your team's going to be that way. And just like you said, we, hey, we as leaders got to make sure that we can calm the waters when they get rough. You know, it's funny. I, uh, when, I, when I first went to VCU as athletic director, we had a basketball coach. And he's probably the best example of somebody who was very inconsistent. I know one year, I guess my second year at VCU, he came up with this. This was going to be his mantra. This is the way we were going to play. We were, I don't know if you remember this, but Loyola Marymount in the late 80s was one of those basketball teams. That, you know, they'd score 140 points a game. You know, they'd shoot threes like crazy. You know, they'd defend. They'd play full-court pressure. But they just wanted to speed the game up as much as possible. And, I mean, you know, they were successful, you know. And our coach said, okay, BCU, we're going to be the Loyola Marymount of the East. And we go out there the first game, and we shoot like 45 threes, you know. We make about six of them, and we get beat. So the next week, our mantra was strong in the paint. We were going to go inside and grind the ball inside. So our players were so confused, they didn't know if we were loyal to Marymount or that we were strong in the paint. So, I mean, it was kind of like everybody's going, what's going on here, you know. But I think that was a good example. You know, you probably, you know, if, if you do something like that, your play, your players, your team, your organization is going to go, what are we doing? Yeah, Doc, and I've been, I've been involved in some of those same situations where, uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, we're going to be a running team, you know, right, right away. Well, we go out there and say, we're going to run the ball, you know, and first play, we get tackled for a two yard loss. And then uh, the next play, we gain one, and it's third down and nine. And then we end up throwing it 62, you know, 62 times in a ball game. And, yeah. you know, you, you pre, your, your head coach and the coaches preached it. This is what we're going to do. And then they come out, and the first time there's a little adversity, they flip the switch and go in some completely different direction. And all the guys are going, God, hey, I thought we were going to – run the football, you know, that was our, you know, that was our game plan. And when you lose a, when you lose a locker room, it goes quickly and it's almost impossible to, to get it back. And you've got a fine line and you and I have discussed this before. There's a fine line between being consistent and not always being uh, looking forward and change, you know, and changing with the times, you know, you can't, you can't be so consistent that you say, we're going to do it this way because that's the way I've done it for the last 25 years. Yep. The game and the players, they're always changing. But the main focus of a coach has to be consistent where everybody knows they're going to get the same guy when they come into work or they come into practice every day. That doesn't mean there's, going to be, there's not going to be subtle changes from week to week or from season to season, because the game does change. But we can't be wishy-washy. If you're wishy-washy, you're going to lose them. Yeah, and I think that's right. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, I always talk about is, you know, change is going to happen. And if you're not willing to, you know, really evaluate and see better ways to do things, and like, it's not just changing for the sake of change, it's how can we do this better? And I think that's, you know, an important concept. 
for anybody that's running an organization. How can we do things better in every day? Just like, you know, we talk about every day you get up and say, you know, what can I do today to be better? Well, you know, I think that's an important piece of, of you know, leadership philosophy. Yeah, and I think you, you have to grow as a leader. Uh, and when you're, when you're growing as a leader, you're going to, there's going to be changes, but you can go to the complete opposite side of the spectrum though and change too much. Right. And, and, and it's a fine line. And I think the great leaders and the great coaches, they, they have a good feel for it when they hate, when they have to push the right button and when they have to make a subtle change, but don't be on a roller coaster. You need, hey, you need to be going down that road. You've put a game plan together. You've put a roadmap together as a, as a staff, and you need to stay with it uh, as, long as, you're, as long as you're getting the results that you want. Yeah, like I said, you, you don't want to be loyal to Marymount uh, one week in the, you know, the uh, Princeton offense the next week, you know? So uh, I think uh, players, I mean, you're just going to confuse people. But one of the things I think in your book that you talked a little bit about that kind of goes along with this is to be passionate, not emotional. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think there's a big difference uh, between, the, between the two words. When, when you're a coach that's emotional, I, I think those are the guys that are up and down. And when, you, hey, when you're emotional, you're not really thinking about what you're doing. Uh, it, that is a very, it's a very strong uh, feeling that you, that you go through when you're emotional. But when you're passionate, you're always trying to get better and you're always trying to make people around you better. Uh, you know, I would much rather play for a passionate coach than an emotional coach because an emotional coach, you can have highs and lows. When you're passionate, you're focused on one thing most of the time and that's making the people around you better. And I think the best leaders are the ones that are passionate about that. And you can't get them confused, and sometimes people do. Well, you know, and I think that's the one thing that's really important. I think, you know, a lot of people may have this unreal uh, belief that, you know, these pregame speeches are so emotional and everything. And, you know, when I was coaching, you know, what I wanted to do is to make sure that we worked hard every day in practice and we played with great passion, but it really wasn't me that was creating, you know, that, you know, that, that focus going into the game that we had done it all week long and the players had basically developed, you know, their own passion and their own identity. And that, that was much more important than giving this rah, rah, go, you know, beat up on the opponent type of pregame speech. Yeah. You know, I think those pregame speeches are way overrated. Yeah. You know, I had an old coach tell me, said, uh, he said, son, he said, the first day you can go get them all fired up and get them lathered up and says the first time they get hit in the mouth, they, hit, they don't remember one thing you said in that locker room. So it's, you know, it's, it's important for us as coaches to make sure that our players understand that you're not only passionate about the game, but you're passionate about seeing them develop. And, uh, you know, as a coach, it's so important 
to for your players on an individual level or on a even on a on a group level to know that you have the passion and they have to see it and you have to model that and it's not always easy as you know there's so many ups and downs through a season and no season and no game is going to be the same yeah you know one of the things you know I'd, I'd love for you to kind of just share with with our audience is what would a typical let's say you guys played a game on Sunday and you played you know what would be your typical day on that following Monday? Well, gosh, uh, you know, Monday was probably the, t the, the toughest day of the week for, for us because you had to put the game on Sunday to rest, you know, and whether you win or you lose, you have to go through this process. Uh, and sometimes it's uh, easier to do than, than others, uh, but a typical day would be first thing that you've got to do is everybody gets in grades, you know, grades the film and you decide, you decide how you're going to approach that meeting. Uh, you have meetings with, with the training staff, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have injuries. Uh, you have meetings with the personnel guys that want to talk about uh, how, how the players played. The general manager always wanted to know how, how we graded the players. And then we'd meet with the team. And then the first thing that I always would try to do is I would always try to make sure that we re recap the game and just looked at the benchmarks that we put up, the must that we should we had to do that we put up the prior week and go back over them and say, did we accomplish that? And I think it's important for players to understand how how those benchmarks lead to the success that we want to have. So we would go through and put together the different uh, uh, benchmarks and talked about, did we do this? Did we do that? And it led to success or it led to us not having the success. And then you have to turn the page and flip and go on to the next, uh, you know, your next opponent. So what time would you start in the morning on Monday? Would you start real early in the morning, go late during yeah, the coaching staff. We hey, we had to have the we'd have the film graded by eight o'clock in the morning, so we would get in five thirty ish uh, to to get the film film graded, and then we would watch it uh, as groups, and then we would come together about eleven eleven o'clock, and uh, I'd let each coach go around, and we'd talk about how everybody you know everybody played. Did we have the right plan? you know, evaluate what we, wait, what we thought we were going to do. Did we get it accomplished? And then we would prepare to meet with our players and watch and watch the video. And I think one of the things that's very important as a coach is that you put these benchmarks out to the players early in the week on your, on your Wednesday meeting, you've got to give them video confirmation of, did we reach this goal or did we not? And so I put together clips of maybe 12 to 15 snaps in a ball game. And when we, when we would meet, I'd show those 12 or 15 snaps. And they may have been good plays. They may have been uh, negative plays and how they affected the game. Because I wanted our players to understand when you play a ball game, whether it's a basketball game, there's going to be a handful of plays that are going to come down and make the difference. And I wanted them to see the process that we went through during the week is confirmed and affirmed 
by what we did on, on game day. You know, one of the things I think is important, and I'm sure, you know, at the level you were coaching at, it really, you know, it was just kind of the standard operating procedure. But, you know, I think a lot of coaches, like I said earlier, the people who are, you know, in the organization that the coach or the leader is, is in charge of really has to understand that the leader is really working hard and consistent, you know. And, you know, I've seen some coaches who the players really didn't feel like they were working that hard, that they, you know, that they really weren't giving everything they had. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen some coaches that just really weren't committed as you thought they needed to be? I have, and, and coaches that, that, that are not committed and, and don't show that, they're not going to be doing it very long or they're not going to be successful. I always, uh, I always said, and, I, and John Gordon and I in our book, we talked about how your team as a head coach or as a position coach, they have to know without a doubt that you are the most committed person in the organization. Uh, that you're committed to them, you're committed to winning, you're committed to player safety, you're committed to help, you know, helping them grow as not only football players, but as, as, as young, young men or young women, if you're, a, you're coaching women. Uh, and that commitment, you can't really talk about it. You should never talk about commitment. It should be coming out of your pores as a coach and as a leader. And they look at you and know you're, you're the model that you want them to be as far as being a committed teammate. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when I went to VCU as athletic director, one of the things that I really wanted to get across uh, to everybody that worked for me was that I was willing to pitch in and help and do anything that needed to happen. It may be setting up chairs in the gym. It may be, you know, going to – you know, community events that really had not much to do with, you know, VCU athletics. Um, just go to every possible event I could go to because I thought that was really important as a leader that people saw, you know, I was totally um, invested in just about everything that was out there that could benefit, you know, VCU and VCU athletics. Yeah, Doc, and I think that's such a great uh, way to approach it. I mean, you, hey, when, you, when you're the leader, uh, you know, first and foremost, you're the leader of your family, but right below it is your, hey, is your team and your organization. And sometimes your family doesn't understand, you know, your family doesn't understand it, but they know, hey, they know that you're, com you're committed to them, but you have to show that, that commitment. And it is in all fingers, it's, Doc, when you can walk through a building that you're, you know, that you're working in and the people know that they can stop and talk to you, whether it's a win or a loss on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, they know that you're not only committed to winning, but you're committed to making their jobs and their experiences in the organization good ones. And I think that's something that's really important. Uh, that you have to do is, you know, the, the person that works in the training, the person that works in the cafeteria, they should all, hey, they should be just as important as your starting linebacker or your uh, starting uh, point guard. You know, it's funny, when I was a high school coach, you know, we would play, and 
play on Friday night. And then, you know, if we lost the game, you know, one of the most <laughs> unpleasant things out there was to go into that faculty lounge Monday morning before class. Because, you know, people, you know, they're, they're great. But, you know, they say, how'd you lose that game Friday night? Well, you know, um, you understand everybody's trying to win every game, you know, so we're not going to win them all. But, you know, it, it, but, you know, you have to do those sort of things, you know, just to let people know that, um, hey, uh, I'm interested in what you have to say. And, you know, I'm not going to go hide. I'm not going to, you know, have that bunker mentality. But <laughs> that's tough to do sometimes, you know. Oh, it is. Hey, sometimes you've got to put that bulletproof vest on to go, hey, you know, to go. But when, hey, when you're the same person, regardless of what the result of the ball game is, uh, it, it, it's tough on you inside. It's killing you. But they're looking, as we mentioned, they're looking for your cues. And if, hey, if you're down, and, and, and it changed based on the result of the game, they're going to be the same way. And we talk of, we're talking about consistency, and that's the quickest way. If you're the leader and you're not consistent, the whole organization is going to be inconsistent, and you don't have a chance. Yeah, no chance. One other thing, you know, I just, you know, kind of wind this up with something we've talked a little bit about in the past is, you know, you, you had a great deal of success in Atlanta. You know, they're all-time winning as coach, and – you know, clearly, you know, first, you know, five years, you know, really, really were, you know, very, very, very successful. And then we've talked a little bit about it, but complacency. How do you deal with that from, you know, the total organization? Because I think some people just, you know, kind of once you've had success, they just assume that that success is going to continue. And therefore, maybe they kind of let their foot off the pedal a little bit. So yeah. how, how do you deal with that? Well, first, I, you said a funny word there. An old coach told me, he says, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Uh, uh, but there is a disease out there in sports and in business and really, really in life. And it's called, I call it the disease of complacency. Uh, you know, you've got to understand that your prior successes what you did last week or what you did last season is going to have no bearing on what's going to happen in the next game or the next season. And I think something uh, fundamentally went wrong in Atlanta and I allowed it to happen. And I talked about it in, in, in the book, you went in the locker room first. Uh, you know, we went through a process every, you know, every season when the season was over uh, those first five years. And after that fifth year, when we lost in the NFC Championship game, the, the, the conversation changed. You know, we always talked about, okay, we're going to reset. We've got to reset. We're going to take some time and evaluate. And we're going to, hey, we're going to start over. Hey, we're going to start over. We're going to be zero and zero, just like everybody else in the NFL. And last season's going to have no bearing on the next season. Well, we talked about as an organization way too much about, we were one play away from the Super Bowl. And all of the decisions that we were making were, what do we have to do to get to that Super Bowl? We were only one play away. And so every decision that we made in, on personnel, 
on the coaching staff, even the way that we ate, even the way that we were practicing, you know, we, everything was based on what do we have to do to get to the Super Bowl? Well, we completely forgot that we've got to play 16 games to get into the playoffs to have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. And our focus went away from starting over, it's a new season, go through the process that you've gone through, make subtle changes, and fight through it all to get back to a hey, get back to have an opportunity to play in the in the in the Super Bowl by going to the playoffs. And we completely forgot that step. And I allowed it to happen. In hindsight, it was probably the biggest mistake that I've made as a coach is I knew deep in my heart we had to start the process all over. But every discussion we had was based on is this going to get us to that Super Bowl because we were so close last year. And really, last year's got no bearing on next year. Yeah, I, I guess that's right. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's like, okay, we got to start all over again. Let's, you know, let's, let's go from how are we going to start, you know. That's pretty interesting. So that just kind of was pervasive within the whole organization that, that we were one play away. We just need to make one play better. Yeah. Oh, it was throughout the whole organization, not just only on, not only on the football side of it, but I felt it, you know, op through, through operations, through uh, the people that were going out trying to, to uh, get sponsorships. You know, everybody was talking about how close we were and we're one play away and, and we're not, you're, you're, Hey, you're 20 plays away or 20 games away in a whole off season where you have to retool and put your, uh, a new roster together. That's one thing that I think everybody as a coach has to understand. You can learn from the previous season, but last year is going to have no effect on next year. And that's the thing that we that we did in Atlanta. And again, it's nobody's fault. It was my fault because I allowed it to happen. And it was probably, uh, you know, a very difficult, you know, it was a very difficult thing to look back and talk about what went wrong. You know, and John Gordon, he's got a great story. He talks about, you know, so many, so often everybody looks at an apple tree and sees these beautiful red apples are delicious uh, green apples on this tree and they focus on the fruit instead of the root and they don't water the damn tree and guess what happens if you don't water the roots the tree dies yeah really that's kind of what you know that's kind of what happened with us in it in, in atlanta we did not focus on the root on the things that we knew we had to do every year to get us prepared to have an opportunity to be successful. Yeah, I, and you know, I think probably not only within the organization, but probably your fan base and the media and everybody kind of had that same mentality and that's pretty hard to manage, you know, that, hey, we're so close. Yeah, Doc, it is, you know, everybody was taught, you know, we're getting ready for the draft and people are still talking about, you know, the, the, the last drive in the NFC, you know, in the NFC championship game. Mm -hmm. it's hard to reset especially when you're that close and if I had to do it over again I would have uh, approached it completely different and it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to do to tell people hey we had a great season let's learn from it 
when you're that close to the Super Bowl and, ha and, and to the pinnacle of where you want to be to go back and say, oh, we got to take all these steps backwards. But guess what? All 32 teams in the NFL or all 10 teams in the, in the Southern Conference or the ACC, it's the same thing. And in business, it's that way. And uh, we've, we've got to keep, hey, keep an open mind about how, you know, how we're changing uh, each year because it doesn't matter what happened last year. Well, and, you know, I think the other thing, you know, in this same theme of consistency is, uh, and you mentioned it, you know, when you have success, some people get a little carried away with their own success, and that can sometimes lead to, uh, you know, a real, uh, <laughs> you know, a real nightmare, you know, when people kind of uh, feel that, oh, I'm successful, I'm pretty important, you know, and uh, that'll certainly lead to your demise. Yeah, and you—I'm sure you've been around teams that—that that, uh, you know, guys get the term you know the big head. They think they've got it figured out. Well, with all sports, it doesn't matter at what level. It's so you know, it's so it's so competitive, and you've hey, you've got to to me, you've got to have some levity about it, and you've got to realize that you're not the reason. You know, we, when you start to think you're the reason that we were successful. Uh, when you, when you win, everybody wants to take the credit and they think they're the reason that they were, that the team was successful. And you, you got to realize that you made lots of mistakes as, you know, as a team member or as a coach and try to improve on those things that you feel like you did wrong and that you could do better. And I think it's a, a, a time for another discussion about the decompression period that people go through after a season and how is it the right way to approach it? Because I've experienced it both ways. And I can tell you, when you don't do it right, it can lead to really tough results and bad results in the future. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I think that's right. I mean, you kind of got to always look at that and evaluate and kind of figure that out. I, I, I'm, you know, talking about, you know, when I was a high school coach, um, my first year, we weren't supposed to be any good. And, and you know, but thinks teams not going to be any good. In Ohio, you could play 18 regular season games. I think we won 14 and tied for the conference championship. And, uh, you know, I was young. I was 25, 26 years old, you know, a head high school basketball coach in Ohio. That, you know, I mean, I thought I was pretty, pretty smart. You know, I thought I could really coach. And then the next year, you know, yeah, the next year we had, you know, we had a couple things happen. One kid moved away. Another kid got hurt. And uh, we wound up winning, I think we went like eight and 10. You know what I mean? It kind of brought me back to reality, <laughs> you know? And maybe I'm not quite as good as I thought I was, you know? And uh, maybe it's more about the players and, you know, not so much about you. But, you know, that was a, that kind of slapped me in the face pretty quick, you know? Yeah, Doc, that's the great thing about sports is it can, it can, bring you down real a uh, real quick and slap you in the face and say wait a minute this is hey this is not who you are <laughs> exactly exactly well i think it's about time to wrap this up and you know we always try to uh finish with uh some some takeaways um that we had and you know once again we were talking about consistency and you know, the one thing, one of these takeaways is, you know, I, I wrote this down. People within the organization must have confidence in the leader 
and erratic behavior by the leader creates havoc. So, you know. Yeah, hey, you know, the, the whole thing we're talking about today, be, being consistent, if you're inconsistent as a leader, that's the quickest way for an organization to crumble. And, I, I, you know, I don't know any other way to say it is that, hey, when you walk into the building, everybody's looking at you. We've mentioned it earlier in the conversation. You've got to be, hey, you've got to be the most consistent person in the, in the organization because everyone is looking at you. And if, you know, and if number two, if you're not consistent, all your, hey, all your people that you work with, whether it's on the business side, whether it's the players, they're, hey, they're going to know that if you're inconsistent, they can't be consistent because they're taking their cues, hey, their, their cues from you. And the organization is doomed for failure. So it's, you know, it's so important. And being the same person every day is, is difficult to do sometimes because you're always, you're always interacting with people and you think, oh, I'm going to get stale. I think you've got to have a healthy outlook of who you are as a person so that you can interact with uh, the people that you work with. Well, and I think one thing, you know, if you're conscious of that, I think that's really important. If you're not really conscious of, uh, I really need to be consistent. I can't let people see, you know, my ups and downs. And everybody has ups and downs, but I think you have to really learn how not to project those up and down because, like you mentioned, if people get cues, and I know coach players get cues from coaches all the time. So you kind of have to, as a leader, you really have to learn how to project that consistency and not show these swings in, in, in you know, in, in emotion and uh, communication and everything else, you know? Yeah. And like you said, doc, you know, you want to, Hey, you want to be passionate about what you do. You don't want to be emotional because when, you, when you're emotional, you aren't thinking you're reacting. And, emo and when, hey, when, when you're thinking you can do things, that are going to help your team and help your organization. When you're flying off the handle emotion and making an emotional decision, it's usually the wrong one. And then I think one of the things, you know, we just kind of talked about there at the end is, you know, consistency um, fights off complacency. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, that, that to me is probably the biggest thing is uh, you've got to fight. You've got to fight off the disease of complacency as an organization because it's the it's probably the thing that can take a team down and an organization down the quickest there's you know there's slow deaths and quick deaths and when you when you have the disease of complacency it happens quick because the tide changes really fast yep. yeah i think that's right people lose focus and you know they a lot of times then start thinking about themselves and you know that's that's certainly a death knell for any organization yeah, uh, and sports yeah. team particularly, yeah. Yeah, and then hey, Doc, that this last one that that I think we we need to have is a as is really important because consistency doesn't mean that you're not changing. You're always changing. It's not the status quo, you know, and it's not taken away from being a forward thinker. You know, uh, so many people lose sight of it by saying we got to be consistent. Well, that means that you're not evolving with the changes that are going on in your sport or in your business or in your organization. So there's a, there's a fine line to it. 
But the big thing is, is I think you have to have a trajectory going in a certain direction. Don't forget about where you're, you know, where you're headed and what your main goal is. And you don't want consistency to take away from your forward thinking. And I know you're big, you're big about thinking forward and, and, and moving down the road as, you know, as a leader. Yeah, for me, I mean, that's really important. I, and, you know, I, I've always been at, you know, places like, you know, VCU and ETSU where, you know, if we weren't on, you know, if we weren't on the cutting edge of doing things new and progressive that we would just kind of eventually slide back into mediocrity. So we kind of had to always kind of be thinking of how can we do it better, you know, and how can we do it so that, um, you know, all our people can really buy in. You know, one of the things that used to drive me crazy is say, why are we doing, doing this? And if the answer was, well, we've always done it that way, that was the one thing that drove me crazy. You know, if they said we're doing it this way because, you know, we get X, Y, Z results, you know, okay, I get that. But if the answer is we're doing it because that's the way we've always done it, that one would drive me crazy. Yeah, I guess as a, as a leader and as, a, as the athletic director or the vice president, when somebody would tell you that, you would be going, oh, my gosh, why, why are we going to just keep doing it and not progress and go, into a, go into and find a better way? You know, I think we're always striving, I think, in society, and, and we're always striving to find better ways to do things. But we've got to do it in a measured, calculated way. And when, and when, as you mentioned, we're doing it because we think this is going to be the result and the results are going to be different. That's how we evolve as coaches. That's how we evolve as leaders. And it's a fine line that you have to be able to, you know, to balance. Yeah, it really is. But I think, you know, I think sometime we'll talk a little bit about that too, about leadership and intuition, what that means exactly, and how you make those decisions, how you deal with change. So that, that's a topic for another session. But I think this was great. I hope people got the four takeaways. And, you know, I think probably our next episode, we're going to talk a lot about culture. And uh, I think we're going to get, you know, a Hall of Fame former baseball player who now does a lot of uh, television. You know, John Smoltz is going to talk to us about culture. And, of course, you were in Atlanta, I think, when John was pitching down there and, you know, kind of an icon in, in the, you know, in, the, in that whole region. But I think John will be great. and We'll talk a lot about culture. You know, we'll talk a lot about culture throughout all these episodes. But I think that would be great to hear how the Braves, you know, went from – you know, being probably one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball to one of the best. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing John's insights on on the change of the culture there with the Atlanta Braves. And you know, as a as a leader and someone that uh, follows you know follows sports, you, you're always looking to to find out how it really did happen. And we're going to get it right from somebody that was right inside. You know, it wasn't somebody outside looking in. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's going to be great. Well, Coach, you have a great day. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. hope our audience learned a lot. And we'll be back next week. So thanks, Mike. All right, Doc. Thank you. Great talking to you. Have a great day.